What's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, State of the State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 123. I got special guests in the building on multiple pods in the past. My guy, Mr. Alex Collins. How is you doing today, brother? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Sorry, I had myself muted. <laughs> it's all right, man. It's all right, man. It happens. Um, how you feeling, bro? I haven't spoken to you in a long time. It's been a couple. It's been a couple months since you've been on the pod. You've seen all the moves in free agency. You've seen us draft Obi Toppin. You've seen us draft Emmanuel quickly. I've been in a good mood because Leon Rose hasn't done anything stupid. I just want to know. What's, what's your vibe on the Knicks right now? How are you feeling? I'm not feeling too bad. Um, I didn't like all the moves. Uh, I wasn't in favor of like drafting uh, Obi um, and quickly wasn't really someone I had my eye on for uh, a later first round pick. But I, I don't hate the moves at all. Like I'm, uh, you know, I could be a little bit critical sometimes on on Twitter, but overall, I'm I'm pretty happy with the moves. I like the direction the team is moving in, um, even if I don't like every individual move you know perfectly you know what i mean what what moves <laughs> name those moves that you didn't like specifically i'm curious okay well um all right so we'll start with the the top and pick i had other players kind of in the range or who were left on the board that i would have preferred i do understand why they mm-hmm. took Toppin because he's kind of i feel like he's a safe He's like the safe option. I feel like he's he's pretty much guaranteed going to be um, he's going to have a high uh, value at the end of the year. Like he's going to be potential uh, rookie of the year candidate. Um, and quickly, uh, you know, I I would have liked I liked like the likes of Desmond Bain over quickly and stuff like that. I had other players that I liked in that range that were still on the board. But he's he's a good player. He's a good shooter. The Knicks needed shooting. Um, they didn't get a lot of it in the off season. That was maybe another thing I'd be kind of a little bit critical of. Um, mm-hmm. nah, like Alec Burks is a pretty good shooter that they picked up. I really liked that signing. Um, and then I hated bringing Alfred back. Um, oh my goodness! That that oh one that one hurt so much because uh, I just oh I don't like the fit um, next to RJ. I, I would have taken. Pretty much any player in the league above having enough for a back. <laughs> um, I thought he was the worst shooter in uh, the NBA, and then we brought in Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who's even worse. So, um, but he's on he's on Exhibit Ten, so you know, like he's uh, he, he's just there for training camp, or you know, if he if he he's he is a very good defensive player, at least. So if he's getting like um, fringe rotation minutes, I don't necessarily hate it. It depends who he's who he's taking minutes away from, I guess. So, real quick before you continue, that the the MKG thing, he's gonna make the roster. I'm sorry, Nick fans. If you like Iggy, if you like one of those end of the bench players on the team, I think one of them will be cut for Michael K. Gilchrist. Um, I think Thibodeau will love his defense. I I hate his shooting as well, but I'm not really too concerned about it because I feel like Thibodeau will put him in a position to succeed. And as far as Alfred Payton is concerned, listen, nobody in Twitter and Nick Nation 
hates Alfred Payton more than me. But what I will say is that I like the move as far as stability is concerned. He already knows some of the players on the roster, and it was for five million. So, besides that, Steve Mills is not here. I feel like Knicks won't play politics with the with the minutes anymore. So I'm just I'm just excited to see. Alfred Payton is not really that good to the point where me and you should be worried about other point guards on the roster after what we seen last season because there was no accountability. You get what I'm Yeah, saying? no, de- definitely not. And uh, like I I don't like the fact that he has a no trade clause um built in because of the contract that he got be- because he's uh, re-signing on a one-year deal with the team he he was previously with. He has a built-in no trade clause, mm-hmm. but worst-case scenario you could just cut him. So um you know, it's it's not the end of the world. I am um, I do think you you should be hoping. I'm a huge Frank fan. Um, Frank is also Me too. Frank is 22, so he, really he should be beating up Peyton for a starting gig. Um, you know, if he gets the opportunity, at least I know there's been kind of a lot of drama about that lately. If uh, where Frank fits in in the rotation of guards and stuff, but the likes of uh, DSJ and Frank really like Alfred isn't. You know, he's. I said previously, like he's not Steph Curry. Like he, you should be able to no. beat out Alfred Payton for a starting job if you know you're twenty two, twenty, turning twenty three. Kind of like that's where you really need to start pressing for a starting gig if you ever want to be a starter. And um, as far as the MKG thing uh, goes, I kind of agree with you. Um, I could see him. I think he could be like a situational kind of player. Like Tibbs likes to keep his rotations pretty short, typically, um, in his past uh, stops with the Bulls and the um, Wolves. So I think you he could be like just an end of bench player. And a while I would like to see someone like Iggy, Iggy get minutes or, um, you know, maybe have one of the guys who are probably going to be with the G League rotate up and get some minutes. Um, you know, they're they're kind of uh they're punts essentially, they're lottery tickets. The the chances of those players becoming um anything of like true value in the league is probably pretty slim. So, you know, while I would like to see players like that um take spots above MKG, who we kind of know what he is and he's not particularly great. Uh, it's not. It's not like it's not a huge deal if, if let's say, Nicky does get cut. Like I know Twitter is probably going to, um, is probably going to explode if that happens. But it's you know, like, he's just a lottery. He's just a lottery ticket essentially. You, you're not really expecting much from second round picks, uh, late second round picks. You're not, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm seeing a story right now where Tony Parker is talking about how. You know, he was drafted, and being drafted at the top was, wasn't really one of his goals because he said, basically it says, being drafted at the top really wasn't one of my goals. Not at all. Look at Frank Nilakina. He was drafted eighth. He was a top French player, and look what, look what team he plays for. I didn't want that. Being drafted by a good team at the end of the first round gives you a couple of years to make your way, like I did in Paris. So – you know, we got to give these dudes time. And I think that's the overall fear when you get a guy like Alfred Payton back on the roster because it's like, where are these dudes going to play? And one particular thing about Franklin Lakina, I feel like management doesn't see him as a, a, a point guard. 
I feel like they see him as a winger. I don't see him as a point guard either, either really. Um, I think if, if he is a point guard, he's kind of like that um, Patrick Beverly kind of type of point guard where he's like not so much a creator. He just plays the position. Um, yeah. You know, like really, I think he's an off guard um, long term in the NBA. I don't think he's a point guard, but he, I think he can be a point guard on this team because this team sucks. <laughs> so, so before before we get into the next subject, I, I, how do you feel about Dennis Smith Jr. starting? Do you now? I want to throw this at you because you know I've been saying this a lot lately. It just feels like when they say DSJ DSJ started, it just feels like a save face move. And I want you to, I want you to bring me back to earth about these feelings because I know you traded Porzingis for Dennis Smith Jr. And I know you want this kid to work. I know you want to prove to the fan base that y'all won the trade. And it's cool. I respect it. But from what I seen last season in numbers, some numbers like Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox is the worst pairing in the NBA. You know, it's it's kind of tough for me to really believe that Dennis Smith Jr. is going to come back next season fully focused on the starting job and playing good quality starting point guard minutes because that's what we haven't had in a couple of years was good quality point guard minutes. I, I believe the last time we had good quality point guard minutes was uh, Jared Jack and – I'm still mad that the, that Jeff Hornacek played Jerry Jack. So basically, what I was saying was, was how do you feel about Dennis Smith Jr. starting? Like, do, does it sound like a, a safe face move? Am I am I in my emotions right now? Does it sound like they're trying to save face with the Porzingis trade? And you know that we traded for Dennis Smith Jr. for Porzingis. Like, it, talk me back to earth. What? what like tell tell me what's up. Uh, I don't really know what the deal is with starting DSJ. Um, I'm not in favor of it. Uh, I'm not in general. I'm not a G- DSJ fan. Uh, I never have been, even back to when he was in college. Um, I I feel like he kind of had. Um, I don't know if temper tantrum is the right word, but he kind of uh, was unhappy that he wasn't starting. Uh, last season um, and he just kind of sulked I feel and you're just kind of rewarding him now with the starting spot if that is what happens it kind of it's a it's a weird thing for me and I don't know why you would do it other than to increase his trade value or to just try and um, try and get some kind of fix yeah just try and try and fix him but at what at what cost and how likely is that I feel like there's a you need to do a cost-benefit analysis in your head. Um, there's an opportunity cost to trying to fix DSJ, who personally I don't really think can be fixed. I think he's just not a very good player. Um, and <laughs> like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not one to mince words. Like I, I always tell people exactly how I feel. Um, sometimes a little bit brashly, maybe, but. Um, no, no, it's cool. It's cool. Everybody well, like, got their own opinion, brother. I'll put it this way: I was, I've been in Nick's film school slack in previously defending DSJ. I defended him when he got booed at the Garden against the Celtics. Uh, 
I was defending that we should hold on to him when there was the trade rumors with the Timberwolves last season. Um, and I just kind of got talked out of it because I really don't think he's going to come good. I just, that's, it's just me personally. I, I don't think he's going to come good. I think he's a sunk, uh, he's a sunk cost. Um, and if you're talking about trying to resurrect any kind of trade value for, for him, like, I wonder how effect, like how high can you possibly get his trade value? That's like, he's, you're kind of turning him into what a, a high second round pick, maybe if you're lucky. Um, so like, I would, I think I would just prefer to move on personally. I don't think he's a, I think we've seen enough with him not being in the best of shape, um, and having kind of attitude problems and stuff like that in the past where, and having, even having injury issues and things like that. I just, I don't know if I want to move forward with DSJ, but you know, if he does start, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Cause, um, you know, if they, if they can revive him to where he's, even a semi-useful player. That's that says something about this uh, this front office and this coaching staff in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. It, it it shows that they finally got the right people in in behind the scenes, man. Because DSJ was he was terrible last season. It, it was a hard watch. I, I can't even lie, and I don't like to, you know, drown out the. I don't like to drown out what happened with him last season. I hope that he comes back professional and, you know, focused. And speaking of professionalism, <laughs> how, how what's your feelings on this Mitchell Robinson stuff, man? Because it, 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 it makes me emotional. It, 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 it kills me sometimes because we, we all love this kid. We sung his praises last season. He broke the Will Chamberlain record. You know, we all see him on the court. He's defensively, he's a monster. Offensively, he needs to get it together. But then you hear stuff about him, the immaturity, the six agents, people talking about how the Knicks wasn't thrilled he didn't come to camp earlier. You hearing stories about he 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 came into camp not in shape. And I don't really like the Mitchell Robinson slander, but as I explained in a previous podcast, I can understand where the immaturity comes from when you don't go to college <laughs> and you get suspended at college. You see quotes about him being hard to reach through texts and his communication skills is bad. So what's your feelings on, on Mitchell Rob before we get, get on to the next subject? What, I want, I want to know your take. Uh, people who follow me on Twitter know my take on Mitch Robinson very well at this point, I feel. Um, you know, I do. I like Mitch. I like his game. Um, he's a very charismatic kind of guy. He's easy to root for. I know why fans um, love him as much as they do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I I have clothing with his face on it. Um I got interviewed for Sports Illustrated and I said that his dunk, um, the lob from Alfred to Mitch against the Pistons was the most exciting Knicks play I've ever seen live. Um, so it it doesn't bring me pleasure and it doesn't do me any good when I'm kind of a little bit critical of Mitchell Robinson. All it does is get people angry at me and I don't particularly like to have people angry at me. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I only say the things that I say about Mitch because um, 
I want to I want to be honest and genuine with people online. I don't want to blow smoke up people's asses. So um, in terms of professionalism with Mitch, uh, he doesn't have a lot of it from what I've heard. Um, he's highly uh, immature. Um, I hope if if anyone can get Mitch to a level where um, he's deserving of the contract I think he's going to get in uh, free agency next year or the year after. It's going to be this this front office and this coaching staff, so that gives me some hope for the situation. But um, with what's going on, with what's being reported at the moment, not a lot of it's surprising um, for me. And I just I have serious worries about Mitch as a as a guy. Um, even everybody, even um, like I, I have some minor um criticisms of his game. You know, like he's he's kind of you know he's a, he's an excellent defender, but he's kind of he's not really able to set screens. He's not a good passer. He's not a good defensive rebounder. He's a great offensive rebounder. Uh, he doesn't have much of an offensive game now. Uh, I've heard people compare him t- to Anthony Davis. I don't know where that comes from because you know. He, he he doesn't shoot, so I don't know how you can say he's Anthony Davis 2.0. But okay, if uh, you know, I'd love to see some of that this coming season. If he can develop any kind of a, a go-to move or a mid-range shot or a three-point shot, that would be fantastic. Um, but personality-wise, um, you have a very short period of time um, to basically change my mind that it. We, I should feel comfortable paying Mitchell Robinson um, tens of millions of dollars a year, um, which I think he will get. And I've had that discussion with people too, but I'm I'm fairly certain he's going to get you know fifteen, sixteen million plus um, unless things go terribly wrong this season. So uh, I'm I'm a little concerned to tell you the truth. I, I'm a little concerned too. All Mitchell Robinson has to do is become Miles Turner. The, the bare minimum, because Miles Turner can space the floor, he shoots the three, and he can block. And he can yeah, I think he's a better. Run. He's a better defender so, than Miles Turner as well. Yeah, yeah. So if he could become Miles Turner, I'm happy, bro. I, I will gladly pay him the four four year. I think it was fifty two million dollars, and it goes up to sixty in contract incentives. So I, I would be happy if he could become Miles Turner on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so, you know, we got to mention all of these guys. So, earlier, I seen a report about James Harden. And me and you been reading up on James Harden stuff. And we both know, and the world knows, he wants out of Houston. That is the obvious. Which, that is the blatant obvious. He's not showing up to practice, not showing up to workouts. He's doing whatever the hell he wants. I'm here to tell Nick fans early before we even start trying to conjure up this trade nonsense for James Harden. I don't want nothing to do with a James Harden trade. Um, James Harden, I don't believe he's the leader of a Nick franchise. I don't believe that we should give up any pieces for him. I believe that he should be sent to a place that already has a star in place. And we're just not ready yet to make those type of moves. If Leon Rose said no to a Buddy Hill trade, supposedly, 
Julius Randle and Frank Nilakina, which is chips, basically, um, in a first-round pick for Buddy Hill. If Leon Rose did not want to do that trade, then he's damn sure not going to want to do the James Harden trade. And just for me personally, he's not a good leader. He's not the guy we want next to R.J. Barrett. And he's a great player. I just hope he goes somewhere else to succeed. I just hope the Knicks do not jump in, bite that bullet. Yeah, I couldn't agree but, more. You you put it you so you worded it perfectly. I feel the exact same way. I I I don't think he would even want to come here. I think he wants to contend, and we're nowhere near contention. So um, it's it's I don't it it makes zero sense to me trading for James Harden. Um, I I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it should happen. Um, I think he's going to try and force his way to um, maybe not Brooklyn, but another contending team. Um, you know, it just it makes no sense. He's the other side of thirty. I'm a huge fan of James Harden's game, by the way. Um, a huge fan. I think he's massively underrated uh, as an offensive player uh, by a lot of people. As uh, some people also claim that he's the greatest offensive player of all time, which might be a bit too much. But he's uh, he's I, I call him a surgeon on the basketball court. He just carves defenses apart with surgical like precision. It's he's amazing. Um, but no. He's uh, the wrong attitude to pair with young players. The Knicks are stacking chips at the moment and trade assets and future picks and everything. Uh, We should keep that going until a younger player becomes available. Uh, Someone like a Devin Booker, it might not necessarily be Devin Booker. Um, That will better fit around the rest of the core in terms of age, and uh, you might be able to pair them easier with... uh, stars and you know free agency and things like that just see uh, James Harden doesn't fit the timeline at all and I would not go anywhere near him so you know yeah that basically let's put that nail in that coffin real quick <laughs> um so next next topic you know I'm reading the tweets I'm reading stuff and a lot of people don't like how it seems like CAA in Kentucky is just taking over the Knicks. You got Scott LeBassier, you know, Kentucky alumni signing with our Westchester team. You got the CAA connections with Obi Topping, and you got the Kentucky connections with Michael K. Gilchrist, Emmanuel Quickly, Kevin Knox, Randall. You know, we got all these guys. And a lot of people have issues with the Knicks just being a Kentucky pipeline and how it seems like we're just only getting those players with those two connections. Do you think that's a bad thing? Because for me personally, I think that's a great thing to have. I'm kind of used to this when it comes to the Knicks. You know, they're using their connections in order to get people. I'm not used to the Knicks being comfortable with the person they drafted. Because you got to remember, we drafted Frank. uh, Phil gets fired the next day. We draft Kevin Knox. The coach that wanted him, he's fired. But Scott Perry's still here. We get R.J. Barrett. Hopefully, you know, we keep some stability around R.J. Barrett. So, do you have any concerns about, you know, the CAA Kentucky mob takeover? Like, 
does it have any negatives to you, or you think, or, or you think we'll be, we we in for a great future as far as, you know, Kentucky CAA coming together. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I don't think it means a huge deal, uh, but it doesn't mean nothing at the same time. It's kind of like mm-hmm. CAA have always had their, they've always had um, their claws in the Knicks. Um, there's a reason that Leon Rose got the job in the first place. Uh, he, I remember stories of um, Mike Woodson having to switch to CAA um, representation back when he was the head coach and stuff like that. So CAA have always kind of had, they've always been um, connected with the Knicks like that. It's nothing new. Um, the the Kentucky thing, I don't think I don't think it's as big a deal as kind of you're making it out to be a little bit. I'm kind of like, just like, it's, it's just a thing that exists because we hired um, the most expensive or highest paid assistant head coach in the league. Um, So they're just bringing in some of the guys that he's familiar with, that he has a good rapport with. Um, I think, you know, the likes of 2K and stuff like that kind of leaves out a lot of what, actually happens in the league which is that these relationships do exist and they are important um so you know like i i i think some people kind of um i I do it for jokes but like i see some people kind of like blow it out of proportion and stuff like that and some people pass it off like it's nothing where i think the truth is it just kind of exists in the middle where um there is a connection there i don't think it's I don't think it's anything like the Knicks are going to take a Kentucky player over, you know, a obviously superior player in the draft or anything like that, or a CAA client over an obviously better player in the draft. I don't think it has that kind of an effect. It's just a thing that exists, and it exists around the whole NBA. Maybe not quite to the extent that it exists within the Knicks, but I don't think it's a detriment either. So, you know, connections. Everything is about connections, right? So next year's draft, Jalen Green is CAA. Um, Jonathan Kaminja is, he knows World Wide West because World Wide West is connected with Michael K. Gilchrist. And it's connections, man. I'm just happy that the Knicks can finally get people in the building who want to be here. You get guys like Obi Toppin. He's from the city. He wants to be here. Like, it was genuine tears from his eyes when he got drafted. So, I'm loving everything that we're doing. Um, I'm not really too concerned either. I just felt like we had to bring that subject up because a lot of people talk about it and a lot of people's concerned. I just feel like they're just not used to the Knicks having a stronghold on – not a stronghold, but a certain influence on getting certain players. So I'm I'm happy with what they're doing. And as far as Kentucky's concerned with the final subject, we have two Kentucky products on the roster that for various reasons we 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 are concerned about. But Julius Randle and Kevin Knox. Let's start with Randle first. Okay. So I'm looking at Julius Randle media session, you know. After the workouts, he looked stressed. He looked like his body language was just, it was just off. Um, 
I'm here to just say to people like we gotta like get off Julius Randle's back. Um, I feel like we're too harsh on him. I understand what he did last season, the Beyblade stuff, the spinning around like the Tasmanian Devil, the constant going into triple teams, not passing the ball, having RJ clap for the ball. Understand it, not hustling back on defense. Understand it, but he has the talent and. He has the same excuse as the other kids as far as, you know, as coaching. Fizdell was garbage. Mike Miller was garbage. Mike Miller was a little better. He went 17 and 27 with this with this roster. But we drafted Obi Toppin. And Obi is 22. It's not like he's 19 or 20. He's 22. I want to see him start out the game. But then you got the conundrum of you hearing the Knicks wanted to move on from Randall. But Randall's still on the roster, and he's a four. So what the hell are we going to do about this, Mr. Collins? Because you got to help me with this. Because this, this this is tough. Well, the Knicks should bring me on as a consultant if if I have this much uh... – if I can resolve this on the on this podcast, I'm I'm contacting the Knicks and asking for a job. Um, no, like with with Randall, um, I see where you're coming from. I'm actually kind of surprised because I feel like you were one of those people that kind of uh, you kind of like to have a little bit of fun at Randall's expense on online. Um, I do, I do, but you know, you know what it is, bro. After seeing his media session, I just felt like you felt bad for me, him. Yeah, I felt bad, and I felt like I'm, I'm, I'm adding. I'm a part of the problem. If I'm going to continue to keep bashing him without placing it in context, I'm, I'm a part of the problem. So I'm trying to step away from that, and I'm trying to be more fair and more equal. So that's why I kind of like laid back from the the bashing about Randall on my pod, on the pod. Honestly, yeah. Um, I, I think it was funny. There was um. I remember Macri was doing a charity podcast a couple of months ago and he was having listeners to the podcast you donated to a specific charity on. And it, it, the topic of Randall came up fairly frequently and everyone said the exact same thing, which was, I like him as a player. He's very talented, but, and then they said all the negative things, um, which is kind of how I feel about him too. He's he's a talented player. He's, he's a good player. He's definitely an NBA caliber player. Uh, he did score 20 and 10 roughly last season. Um, I think it wasn't a very good fit with him next to RJ. Um, and you know, Mitch, there there wasn't enough spacing. It didn't really um benefit Randall. He he shouldn't be in uh like a leadership role. He's not like a a primary uh scorer for a team. He's he just that's not in him. Um, but he is a useful player, and I think that he does still have value around the league. So um, what I would try and do personally is I would give him the starting spot. Uh, I would bring uh, Obi off the bench to start. I don't really care who starts, to be honest. I think it's just kind of like, you know, who who starts the games doesn't matter as much as how many minutes you're getting played, who is playing alongside you while you're getting those minutes, and who is closing the game if the game is tight. I think those things matter much more. I think starting is more of just kind of a, it's like a respect thing um, where, you know, he's, you know, like Lance Thomas was starting and Taj Gibson was starting, but they were still only averaging about 16 minutes a game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't really care who starts. Uh, I would start Randall. 
uh, I would put him in the shop window. Uh, I think he will be gone by season's end. I said that on this podcast the last time I was on, I think. I think I said that he would be gone within a year, and I'm sticking to that. Uh, I think he's he's his days in New York are numbered. Um, and while he is here, I would start him um, at the four. I would uh, bring him off, uh, you know, sub on uh, Obi. And when he checked back into the game, I'd probably play him at the five. Um, I think as a backup to Mitch, if Mitch starts. I know, like, it's kind of the the five now with Nerlens has kind of gotten a deep position. So I do, where ideally I thought that Randall, he has played his best basketball of his career at the five when he was in New Orleans. That has kind of gone out the window now. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen. He's going to have to just play the four when Obi is out of the game. Um, but, you know, like... He's he's he is a talented player. So um, what you know, I I do think I don't think you have to salary dump him. I think a team will take him off your hands, um, at least for like neutral assets, like just an expiring. I wouldn't expect to get anything back in it, but I I do think he will be traded. I don't think it's going to be um, a terrible trade like that. We'll we'll have to give up uh, assets to get rid of him or anything like that. So, you know. I, I want to see Randall succeed, but after the after drafting Obi Toppin, I just don't see it. I want to see Obi play with R.J. Barrett. I, I was up last night until 4.30 in the morning, 4.35 in the morning. I was just looking at Obi Toppin highlights, and I was looking at an Obi Toppin game. And I'm like, yo, bruh, this guy is so talented. And mind you, he's 6'9 with a 7'2, 7'4 wingspan. He's so talented, he doesn't know how good he could become. And I want to see that talent start out the gate. Like, I don't want to wait. It's all going to depend on his his defense. Um, And a little bit his outside shooting. He's he's been, he has good shooting numbers, but he doesn't have great sample size. Um, So we'll see. I'm you know, I'm not totally down on Obi, and I actually do. I, I like him an awful lot as a person. He's a very uh, likable guy. He's very easy to root for. And, you know, I I wasn't a fan of drafting RJ either. And uh, RJ kind of won me over. So, um, you know, it could be the same situation with Obi. I, I, a lot of people didn't want RJ. I'm going to be honest with you. But RJ, RJ good, man. I'm not... He is the last young guy on this roster I'm really worried about, to be perfectly perfectly honest with you. Um, I totally agree with that. So, I hope Randall, I hope just the Knicks put him in a position to succeed. If they trade him, I hope they send him to a great situation where he can succeed. Frank Nilakina as well. But, um... What I will say about Julius before we change the topic is I I do plan on continuing to laugh about him while he is still here because it's funny. (laughs) Randall, Randall it's nothing. It's it's nothing personal. I just like the jokes. Yeah, man. Randall, no. If he don't hustle back on defense this year, he's gonna be parked on the bench. That's what Julius. If you're listening, unblock Jonathan Macri, and I'll 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 lay off. (laughs) He got half of us blocked. He got me blocked. He had more blocks on Twitter last year than he had in the NBA. Oh, my goodness. This guy. 
how you play a thousand more minutes than Knox but have way less blocks? Like, I really don't understand that. But, you know, getting into Kevin Knox, I'm so happy what I'm hearing about this kid so far because I feel like I've been one of the few supporters who have not turned their back on Kevin Knox because I listen to everybody's podcast. I listen to everybody's live stream. I listen to everybody. 80% of everything I listen to is always a let's trade Knox, blah, blah, blah. Let's trade him in this package. Let's trade him for this person. Let's trade him for that person. And then I hear stuff like that. And then the very next sentence, I hear stuff like, oh, well, Frank Nalakina is going to be a great starter on this team mm-hmm. and this, that, and the third. I need I, I need, the, I need people to be fair. I, I have bad news, my friend. It, go ahead. Over the summer, I've kind of, I've kind of given up on Knox a bit, <laughs> and th- and that's understandable. And you have a right to have that opinion because he did not do anything to show you last season that you should have that belief in. And- okay, well, I'll, I'll answer this question for me, okay? Because this, mm-hmm. this is a question that got asked that I was asked uh, in Knox's first season, and it only really hit kind of over the summer when I started to think more about him, what's the one thing Kevin Knox does at an average NBA level? Shooting. Have you seen his shooting numbers? Oof. I mean, he made... He shot 32% from three last season. It's not particularly good. It's not, and he shot 34% his first season, 125, made threes. The reason why I say shooting and spacing the floor is because you've seen it at Kentucky. I've seen him do it at Kentucky, and he's a guy that needs to be played off ball, but you also have to make him move off the ball as well. So I see the talent. I see a, I see a guy, if he hits his ceiling, he could be a good scorer. I, could, I see an Otto Porter. You know, Otto Porter Jr. was the third overall pick, right? And he's a good, sound NBA player. Like, I wouldn't be mad if Kevin Knox becomes an Otto Porter Jr. type of player. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, he's going to be a superstar. He's going to be an all-star. I'm just here to tell people I'm banking on the potential. I'm banking on Kenny Payne. And I'm banking on Thibodeau. If I'm hearing Thibodeau says Knox came into practice, and he had a great two first practices, and I'm looking at Kevin Knox and his demeanor in these interviews, I'm extremely excited. I think we're going to see a different player that we did not see last season. And I feel like we're going to see the player that I I wanted to draft. Like, I wanted, I honestly wanted to draft Kevin Knox the year that we got him because Michael Porter Jr., even though Michael Porter Jr. is a superior talent, he had back problems. The Bridges, I felt like they was both old. We already had just traded Carmelo. So it was like I wanted to bank on Kevin Knox. So the stuff that I'm hearing, the stuff that he's saying, I just feel like Nick Finn's just – we're going to see it this season. So if you're giving up on him, I feel like he's going to make you eat crow. <laughs> okay, well, to, um, to respond to that, what I'll say is um, – I don't think Tibbs is going to say a bad word about the players. I don't think any Knicks, uh, you know, 
coach or uh, you know GM or anything like that is going to uh, speak bad about players because they're they're players. I think we kind of overblow when um, the Knicks say good things about the Knicks, uh, and two games is a very small sample size compared to uh, two seasons. He did say that he shot the ball very well when he takes good shots, which is also a qualifier. Um, you know, like, I, I'm not saying that Knox is a lost cause. I'm not saying he's not an NBA player. I do think he could still... I, I actually do still buy his shooting. Uh, I do think he can be, like, a spot of four in the NBA. I just... I'm not as certain about it as I was previously. Uh, I wasn't very certain about it previously either, but I'm even less so now. Um, if I'll I, again, I'm saying this a few times, but it because it's it's really true, and I do quite have quite a lot of faith um, in this staff that if if anybody can turn Knox into something, it's probably this coaching staff. Um, I'm very high on them. I thought that the hires were all very good. Um, so. You know, I'm willing to see what happens. I'm not trying to say get rid of the kid or anything like that. Um, man, listen, I'm just excited for the future because I'm looking at Obi. He's 22. I'm looking at Knox. He's 21. I'm looking at RJ. He's 20. One of these three dudes got a hit on the draft pick. This this is a gamble. I think if of those three, I think it's going to be RJ personally. Yeah, so. If if RJ if it's RJ by default, what about can the other two? Is it possible if any one of those two can hit as a pick? I think a, I think all-star? I think Obi is he, I think he guarantees you a certain level of production on offense. So, you know, I think I could very easily see him being kind of a John Collins type, where he's very he's a very good offensive player, defense quite bad. Um, so, mm. you know. Um, I do like I the I I'm not as high on RJ even as I as I'm making it sound like I am now. I you know I still kind of <laughs> I still I don't think he's a perfect player. Like I don't think he's I don't think he's going to lead the Knicks to a championship. But it these are all good pieces. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, they're all helpful players. Uh, you know, I'd be surprised if you know some. They're not all going to be here long term. I think there will be trades made. Um, but I think RJ is the one that I feel most confident saying is going to be here long-term and is going to be a good player for the Knicks. So when you talk about Thibodeau, right, Thibodeau, Thibodeau named four guys in his first media presser, and that's going to stick with me as long as Thibodeau is here as a New York Knicks coach. He said RJ, he said Obi, he said Knox, and he said Emmanuel quickly. So those four, right now, I'm going to consider those four my young core. Everybody else is on the outside looking in because I know the I know what Tib, Tibbs – I know what he's going to do. He's going to play the guys that – he's going to play his guys, and he's going to play the guys that plays the hardest. I think that those four is going to be in the rotation. Now, the other six people that's going to be in the rotation – it remains to be seen. We're going to see it soon. And we're going to see it Friday. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, man. I can't, I can't wait. wait. Christmas man. is coming early this year. Oh, God, man. It's been nine, ten months since the last time we've seen the Nick game. Any any, any final predictions? 
any final predictions for the first preseason game? No. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what do you want me to say? I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I'm hoping it's going to be fun. I hope. I, I hope Emmanuel quickly scores twenty. Uh, <laughs> that might be. I don't know if I would take that bet. I don't. I, it, I, you should see what kind of odds you could get for that because he might actually get pretty good odds for that. <laughs> I'm gonna go check. I'm gonna go check. I'm gonna but, say Obi Toppin scores twenty. Ooh, imagine if they both score twenty. Oh, then we're we're have a very good start to the season. Oh, the young core and Knox. Knox doesn't look like uh, not Kevin Knox. And then our young uh, core, our four, are doing really well. Oh man, you! Oh god, I jump off my balcony at that happening, man. <laughs> oh god. Oh God! But um, I guess we got into everything. I guess we got into most of the recent Nick news. So you know, any any final words for Nick Nation before we get out of here? Anything? Any last things on your mind? You know, you want to say to Nick Nation and, and, and stuff like that? Um, not really. No, just um, I love you all. Uh, I appreciate the interactions online. Uh, you know. I passed uh, I passed a thousand followers recently on on Twitter, and I just kind of said, uh, you know, like there's a character limit on Twitter, so I couldn't say I didn't want to go on for pay- paragraphs. But uh, my only my only outlet for the Knicks is through interacting with people online. You know, like I don't know anyone in my personal life who's a Knicks fan. I barely know any NBA fans here, so um, I really do appreciate it. I appreciate everyone for the interactions for. Um, the kind words and you know if you get angry at me about my takes that's totally fine you know I'm I I sometimes get angry at myself and I like to be a bit contrarian sometimes I guess so um it's all love and I appreciate it and uh thank you for having me on yo man I I love bringing you on the pod man love your takes bro we always speak man it's always a pleasure um Nick Nation is it's always a pleasure that you tune in um I appreciate that you always bring honest takes and it's never emotional. A lot of people like to bring a lot of emotions, including me. I, I'm very emotional when it comes to the Knicks. Sometimes I be homerism and I, I be biased, a little biased, but you know, I appreciate that you just straightforward with the takes and you never hold no punches back. So salute to you for that. Salute the Nick Nation. Episode 123, State of the New York Knicks podcast. Love y'all, man. We out of here. Peace.